Welcome to the Womb Happy Hour with Lorraine Giordano. It's time to connect with your feminine energy center, your own body, to achieve anything that your heart desires. It's a discussion about a place you may have not discussed so much, the place down there. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Giordano. Hello and welcome. I hope you're having a wonderful day. You're listening to the Womb Happy Hour. I'm your intuitive energy healer host, Lorraine Giordano. I'd love to hear from you. So you can like me on Facebook at inspired to health Follow me on Twitter at Inspired2Health and connect on LinkedIn at Lorraine, L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E, Giordano, G-I-O-R-D-A-N-O. And don't forget to check out my website and blog at InspiredToHealth.net. So today's episode title is She Rose to Health and You Can Too, Inspirations on Reinvention and Storytelling. So our guest today, Rosemary Reyes, has a special way with words, and I'm eager for listeners to hear about her health journey and the healing power of the story we tell ourselves and to others. And I don't know if everyone realizes, but the definition of reinvention is the action or process through which something is changed so that it appears to be entirely new. So if you're having a difficult time right now, if you're going through a health condition down there or anywhere else, keep the faith. Reinvention is possible. So to connect with Rose, you can connect with her at Rose Laughs on Facebook. So that's R-O-S-E-L-A-U-G-H-S. And please check out her blog at rosemariereyes.wordpress.com. And her blog is called Somewhere in Between, and we'll get into that. But uh, the spelling of that is R-O-S-E-M-A-R-I-E-R-E-Y-E-S dot WordPress dot com. So, Rose, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lorraine. It's good to be here. Excited to have you. And just so our listeners knows, Rose and I go way back. We're good friends. <laughs> so it's a treat to have her on the show. Yes, we we go way back. We don't count anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so Rose, um, are you having a good day? So where are you calling us from? Let's start there. Well, yes, I'm calling you. I'm calling you um, from Paris, France, um, where we are enjoying a very typical autumn day. A little bit of rain, a little bit of sun, and a nice crispy kind of uh, cold. <laughs> yeah, so you guys had a really hot summer, right? It's pretty brutal. The we, we had an unusual summer. Um, we definitely had an unusual summer. It was hotter than usual. And um, it always takes a little getting used to here because they're really, you know, most people in their homes, they don't have air conditioning. Yes, so things must get a little sweaty. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit sweaty. (laughs) And um, let's put it this way. There were a lot of trips to the supermarket because that's one of the few public places where there was, like, a lasting air conditioning. Oh, a little reprieve from the heat. All right, so um, if you could tell our listeners, what's your background? Uh, my background, yeah. Well, I'm originally from New York City, and uh, I spent a lot of my life living in New York City and in New Jersey, in the Hudson County area. Um, my parents, they met in New York in the 60s, and they were from a little Caribbean island called the Dominican Republic. Many people know it. Uh, many people know their beaches and all-inclusive resorts even better. Um, but in this, you know, uh, small world, their families knew each other on the islands, but they had never met. And they finally met in New York. And when they did, um, I guess, you know, things happened and they were married about a year later. Um, so well, it was very interesting to grow up with this kind of background because it was very much, 
uh, a very mixed upbringing, you know, a little bit of Latin flavor in there, a lot of, um, you know, American influences as well. So, you know, my sisters and I, we grew up uh, being bilingual, which is, you know, uh, for us, it was kind of like a pain in the neck when we were growing up, you know, to have to juggle these two languages. But, you know, now, of course, in retrospect, that was probably the best thing that ever happened to us. So, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it made for a very interesting childhood, you know, um, kind of like, uh, what I call nowadays kind of like a split personality childhood. Cause you know, you were the American that lived in New York or in New Jersey. And then for a couple of months during the summer, you were the American that was in the Dominican Republic and you didn't really know how to fit in with all that. So yeah, it was kind of interesting. <laughs> Did you get picked on a lot growing up? Um, not so much. I mean, I think we were really lucky because my mom, she finished high school in New York. And so she didn't really have an accent when she spoke English. And we, so a lot of us, you know, girls, we just, you know, we grew up without speaking English without much of an accent. Now, my dad, on the other hand, he never really, um, assimilated, let's put it that way. So he had, even though he spent more days of his adult uh, life in, in the United States than in his own country. Um, he always had a very thick Dominican accent. So, you know, between uh, getting picked on for that or not getting picked on for not having that, I don't know. I guess it comes out even at the end. Yeah. He did speak English pretty well, though. With the accent. Yeah, you know, yeah, he managed to surprise me many times when I would, you know, I was always, an immigrant daughter does the, the same thing. Uh, they act as translators for their parents. And, uh, you know, it was, it, he always surprised me with how much he understood. And sometimes he would just kind of rattle off whatever in English. And I would be like, oh, uh, you didn't need me to say that for you at all, did you? <laughs> Yeah, his level of English was pretty good, considering, yeah. So, Rose, what was your medical challenge? Ah, uh, well, turns out that, you know, on my mom's side of the family, we were plagued with a lot of, you know, issues with our reproductive system. And um, I can't really say that that was something, you know, that's a specific to our family, but it just seemed like on her side of the family, there were many issues with that. My mother herself suffered from um, endometriosis and from fibroids. And I myself um, suffered from fibroids for many years. Um, and I have cousins who um, have had the similar issues and, um, you know, all sorts of things regarding our reproductive system. I have, you know, a sister who has um, polycystic ovary uh, syndrome. I mean, uh, it's really, you know, it was kind of a very challenging in my family to just have everything go right in that department. Um, I even have like a cousin who like, you know, her fibroids were so bad that before she was 25, she had to have a hysterectomy. So in no short order, she married her childhood sweetheart and had two kids, one after another. And then she had her hysterectomy. So it was like, you know, but for me, fibroids were, um, they didn't really become a big challenge until I was like 35, 36 years old. And then they were like really, um, they were really kind of messing with my quality of life. They were highly symptomatic. Um, and, um, it made it difficult for me to just do everyday things like go to work, have fun, have normal relationships with people, with men. Um, huge, Were you huge in a lot challenge. of pain? Yeah. I mean, that was just, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg there, but yeah, pain, you know, ruled my life on, on a mostly daily basis. Um, and it was something that I just kind of gritted my teeth and and dealt with, you know, and was thinking, well, maybe this is my lot in life. Maybe, you know, my mom had these. There's so many people in my family who, who suffer from this um, medical challenge. So I was just like, well, maybe this is just it, you know, and I just have to deal with it. 
Um, so yeah, I think at some point, like I, I wasn't even 40 yet. I just kind of like resigned myself to the fact that I was going to be living with a lot of pain until I about, until I hit menopause. Did you have um, heavy menstrual re- uh, flows? Because that's also um, another common symptom. Yeah, I mean, when I mean highly symptomatic, I mean that, like, I literally had my period, like, two weeks of every month, sometimes more, um, heavy cramping. Um, and with kind of, like, heavy cramping and heavy bleeding comes all sorts of other, um, you know, extra health issues. Um, I became severely chronically anemic um, many times. It was just kind of like a nightmare that I would keep falling into and just never being able to wake up from. Um, you know, and at the time, I was pretty much like a vegetarian, you know, and so I became even stricter with my diet because I was convinced that that was going to to help me. And sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't. When you're chronically anemic and you don't eat meat, um, you know, which is a very quick source of iron for your blood, um, it's very challenging. So, yeah, I had a lot of um, health challenges, but I also had a lot of food challenges because of my own personal choices at the time. Um, I was a vegetarian. I became a vegan. I even became macrobiotic. Um, And all of this was just kind of really to say, let me just see how I can... uh, you know, help these symptoms maybe with not eating dairy, not eating meat. Um, But on the other side, it made me very weak. Uh, I wasn't able to ever really supplement, you know, um, You weren't getting the the nutrients and minerals and all that stuff that you you kind of needed, sounds like. I was really losing that battle. And I think the worst part during my medical challenge, there were many, many um, low points. But one of the low points was that I had become like really chronically um, ill and because of the situation. And my doctor had said, you know, you, you have to decide whether you want to have a blood transfusion. Um, in anticipation of that day, I had actually banked my own blood because I'm a rare blood type. So wow. <laughs> I didn't really think I would have to use the blood that I had put away uh, anytime soon, but there I was, you know. Um, getting a, a pint of blood, a pint of my own blood to kind of sustain myself because my hemoglobin had gone down to six. Um, and a normal menstruating woman should be hovering around 12 and 14 in terms six of Six is very low. We're going to have to go to break in a, in a few seconds. But um, did you, and maybe let's pick that my question up when we come back, but um, that must have been so difficult and intense. It was all of that and more. And very few people knew how chronically ill I was. My family knew, of course, but I didn't also, I also protected them very much and didn't tell them much about what was going on with me. Um, so yeah, it was very, um, it was a very difficult time. You want to tell people, but you also don't want to bore them. And maybe we'll talk about this after the break, but yeah, there's definitely a stigma of being ill and the cause of your illness or the source of your illness is your reproductive system. You know, there's there's somehow some sort of shame involved with that. So we'll talk about that when we come back about, you know, how that was like. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a two-minute break, everyone, and we'll be back on the flip side of two minutes. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Visit inspiredtohelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at inspiredtohelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit inspiredtohelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting inspiredtohelp.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. 
Lorraine Giordano offers a form of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohealth.net. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to the Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to the Womb Happy Hour. Hi, everybody. We're back. This is the Boom Happy Hour. I'm your host, Lorraine Giordano. Today, we're talking with uh, Rosemary Reyes, a, um, a very highly creative woman. And we're going to get into her creative pursuits in a little while. But uh, we were just talking about her experience with fibroids. So, Rose, before we broke, I asked about the kind of support that you were getting from friends and family. You, you brought up the stigma that's related to, you know, when women have this kind, you know, different kind of issues, there's a stigma related to that. So if you could pick it up from there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember, um, you know, when I talked to my family about this, I think a lot of the women in my family were like, yeah, yeah, we know it's, you know, we have problems like this, too. There's been fibroids. There's been endometriosis in my family, PCOS, um, running rampant. Um, but, you know, my particular problem, as many doctors mentioned to me, was that, you know, I had, um, I really had uh, a propensity for growing tumors. And I had many, many surgeries. And I had lots of different types of treatment. Um I had um, treatments varying from lasering fibroids off, you know, my uterus, and of course they would grow right back. Um, DNCs um, to just, you know, try to alleviate some of some of all of that, which is the same as lasering. It's just growing back. Um, some of my tumors were so large that we had to do some alternative kind of. Uh, treatments um, in conjunction with, um, you know, all of these surgeries, I also uh, would take, you know, like a hormone shot that would put me into like a premature menopause. And somehow it would arrest uh, the growth of these tumors in my uterus. Were you taking um, Lupron? Yes, I was. And at the time it was fairly new, you know, and, um, it was excruciating, the experience in general, um, not to mention the emotional um, part of, of, like, stopping something that is very normal in your life um, because of illness. So um, we tried a lot of things, and one of the ways that I felt like coping with, with like, talking to people about this was um, just, you know, you're, you're in the prime of your childbearing age and you're not able to have children, um, I started telling people why I wasn't having children. Um, you know, I, you know, I happen to, to be very sick. I have this chronic illness. It just doesn't seem to have any end. And so I, you know, it was a, for many people who asked me about, you know, having children or my desire to have children, um, it kind of like became, um, you know, uh, a reason, something to blame, you know, and when you talk about, you know, childbirth or child rearing, it was really easy to say, well, I'm sorry, you know, I can't, and this is why I can't, and have a, lo- a longer conversation or a broader conversation about that. Um, but other than that, like, there were many friends that I didn't talk to about it, and I wouldn't go out as often as I would have because I was just really floored by pain and just wanting to be on my own. 
And there's also this other thing, you know, when you're having fibroids and they're very, very active and you're hemorrhaging no matter what, I never knew, like, when I when it was okay to go out, I mean, I'd wear black all the time because I'd always be, like, anticipating that I'd be having an accident. I started, like, packing a bag with me wherever I would go for longer periods of time, you know, with a change of underwear, with all sorts of pads and wipes and things. It was like, you know, it was like having a baby and just carrying a diaper bag with me all the time. It was ridiculous. So at some point, it just really gets to the point where you just don't want to talk to people about it and you just stay home because you're just not active. You're in so much pain and it's so much trouble to go out. Um, So, yeah, I I would say. Sorry, go ahead. No, I would say that it was extremely difficult. I just kind of made the minimum effort, which was like to go to work. (laughs) I hear you. And I think a lot of times, even my own personal experience, when you have something that puts you in a in a very frequent state of pain and you don't really know how to fix it, it's very isolating. So you don't want to talk about it too much because, like you said, people, you know, you don't want people to get turned off or it becomes they're like you're still not feeling well type of feeling. <laughs> like, what's going on with you? What's wrong with you? But um, yeah. It is a difficult conversation to have unless you're talking to health professionals or your close family and friends. And certainly it affected, I mean, it was so stigmatized. It was certainly something that I couldn't speak to. Um, You know, like dating was like almost non-existent during this time, you know, because I didn't really feel well and I certainly did not feel well below the waist, could not even entertain the notion um, and certainly if I did date during that time, I remember, you know, it just really wouldn't go very far because I'd have to explain to them why I was not as sexually active as I would like to be. Um, it just, you know, I was in a lot of pain all the time. It's messy. It's just like, you know, I imagined myself with a big X, um, on my waist. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> so did you work with one doctor and did you like your doctor and how ultimately were you treated? Cause you're in a very different place now. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I, I was uh, going to a regular, you know, a, an OBGYN, like an office for most of my thirties. And it seemed to, it seemed to be fine as long as, you know, I wasn't chronically ill. The moment I got chronically ill, um, you know, they were very matter of fact about treatment. And even though I, I purposely chose female OBGYNs for treatment, um, their first go-to for this solution was to, for me to have a hysterectomy. Now you imagine I'm 36 years old. Um, I've not had any children and wanting to very much try to have children. Um, and this is like, you know, the first uh, stop of any kind of treatment for fibroids at the time. I'm talking about, you know, like early 2000s. So, um, you know, I I did what every sane person would do. I got a second opinion and I got a third opinion. Um, I went to a male doctor. I went to, um, you know, a, a, a different female doctor who like proceeded to tell me why hysterectomy was the only solution for me and then sat me down in her office and said to me, well, you don't want to have kids. I'm married and I have two kids. It's really hard. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. She was, she literally said that. And I just sat there like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> the male doctor um, that I went to see, he was my third opinion he also thought, you know, you have a high propensity for producing fibroids. This is going to be a problem the rest of your, uh, you know, life before menstruation, you know, your menstruation stops. Um, I want to talk to you about, you know, your actual hysterectomy and how I'm going to do it. Um, you have a really small womb, so we're kind of thinking that we might not have to do, like, you know, a C-section. We might just have to, you know, we could just, like, take it out from your vaginal canal. It's so small. So how does next Tuesday sound? <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> just too much. No. It was so too much and it was very overwhelming. And 
at that point, I had had enough of Western medicine, and I decided, um, you know, a friend of mine at the time from work, she had a similar problem, and she recommended acupuncture. So I went to the acupuncturist that she recommended, and I wound up being a patient of hers for more than five years. And I could literally tell the difference between the surgeries that I had before acupuncture and after being treated with acupuncture. Um, it definitely helped. That with the combination of Chinese herbs um, that she would prescribe, my recovery from these smaller surgeries was much faster. And the tumors that I did have didn't grow any larger, and I certainly didn't have any new growth while I was having acupuncture and herbal um, therapy. So there's that, and I, I, I really took a lot of refuge in alternative medicine because I really felt, um, not that I should only be doing that, you know, on a holistic level, it's very important, but I also thought, yes, there's a, a faction of the Western medicine that had to stay in my treatment. So I found a doctor who was, you know, complementary to the holistic um, healing that I was, you know, doing on my own. Um, she became an advocate for me to continue all of the alternative medicines and healings that I was trying. And I mean, that's just, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg there too, because I also did yoga. That's when I turned out, you know, turned away from being a vegetarian and became more of a vegan and eventually a macrobiotic. And my new OBGYN, the reason that I stuck with her was because she was, yes, yeah, she was very, uh, in, very much in support of the um, holistic medicine that I was pursuing. But she said to me, I can save your womb. I can, I can do this. Um, let's, you know, yes, you definitely need surgery at this point. Um, by the time I found her, I had more than 15 fibroid tumors in my womb of various sizes. And nonetheless, she looked at this as a challenge and she said, I don't think you need a hysterectomy. I'm going to work with you to try to save your uterus. And wow, that she was, was an advocate that, for your womb. She was a womb advocate. Yes. Yeah, a Western doctor who's a surgeon who was an advocate uh, for me to keep my womb. And she did not say the word hysterectomy ever again. And so for me, that was very comforting because it just seems very barbaric to just kind of tear out something that you were born with. And, you know, I, even from an emotional level, I really had a hard time dealing with all of these different processes towards healing. And so I also went to see a therapist for the first time um, to talk about this because I didn't really have a lot of people that I was, you know, telling everything to. So, um, and all and on that, that note, we're going to have to take a br break. On that note, we're going to have to take a break, but we'll be back in two minutes and we'll pick it up from mm -hmm. what you learned going to therapy. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Visit InspiredToHelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at InspiredToHelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit InspiredToHelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting InspiredToHelp.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. Lorraine Giordano offers a form of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, InspiredToHelp.net. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
you are listening to the Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to the Womb Happy Hour. Hi, everybody. We're back. You're listening to the Womb Happy Hour. This is Lorraine Giordano, your intuitive energy healer host. And um, today we are talking to the lovely, creative, and inspiring Rosemary Reyes. And she is sharing her journey of how she handled and healed her fibroids and how she's reinvented uh, her life. And before we went on break, Rose was mentioning how she had a womb advocate, her traditional Western doctor, her gynecologist, she found a woman who didn't use the word hysterectomy in a conversation with her and felt as though she could help her um, and help heal her fibroids. So, Rose, you were mentioning that you started going to therapy. Yeah, it was actually my doctor, my gynecologist, who recommended that I seek some therapy because she sensed that I had been quite traumatized by my previous um uh, treatment, you know, by at the hands of many different types of doctors. Um, she, you know, was totally uh, in tune with what my acupuncturist was doing, and she felt that the missing link of the puzzle was uh, seeking therapy, just having someone to talk to. So I found, uh, through her, I found a therapist that um, I could talk to about what was going on with my body at the time, and she was the one who mentioned to me that perhaps one of the things that could help is if I was able to find a creative way to express myself to kind of release all of the emotional upheaval that was going on in my body and in my brain. Um, she started one of our sessions by asking me, you know, how do you feel about your uterus today? And I thought that was great because um, I was about to answer her, and she said, no, I want you to write about it. Wow. So, <laughs> so I was That's like, great. okay. So uh, I started keeping a journal, and every now and then she'd never read, you know, we would never read the journal together, but I was using the journal and everything I wrote in there uh, kind of like as a, a touching uh, point for, you know, for the, the conversations you would have in therapy. And through writing all of this out, I found out that, yeah, I was very traumatized by what was going on with my body. I felt very betrayed. Um, I didn't feel like, you know, very womanly or very, uh, certainly I did not feel like a sexual being. And writing about it and all of those feelings and, and through my therapy and through my actual medical treatment uh, really helped a lot. It helped I'm not going to say it would resolve a lot of issues, but it definitely helped me, um, you know, on on the path of, of getting better. Um, and I, after my therapy ended, because at some point it was, you know, not she didn't really feel it was necessary for us to continue, I had had a final surgery, um, which allowed me to um, uh, get rid of the rest of these um, fibroids with this new doctor who was an excellent surgeon. Um, and while in the years after I did have some regrowth, it was never really anything to worry about. She was very confident in what she was doing and she was very confident in what I was doing. She gave me a lot of confidence uh, with all the choices that I was making. I, throughout all of that, I kept writing, you know, and at the time I was finishing my bachelor's at City College and one of the things that I did was an undergraduate thesis. This undergraduate thesis turned out to be the first book um, that I ever wrote and the only book I ever wrote. Um, but this Somewhere book, in between um, your book, your memoir? Yeah. Yeah, the memoir Somewhere in Between um, is, uh, it's, a, it's a memoir for me, but it's also um, a biography of my mom. And I wrote alternate chapters to kind of represent, um, you know, what, what she was about and what I was about and how our journeys um, were a little bit parallel. Um, and what I learned from writing um, this, 
first of all, it was an undergrad thesis, and then, you know, later I self-published it, um, was that my mom and I were very much connected. And it and up until that moment, I just thought the only connection we had was this physical ailment. Um, but what I discovered in the process of writing, and thank God I started to do that um, through therapy, is that my mom and I had so many other things in common. Um, we definitely loved, you know, New York and everything it had to offer. Um, we loved to travel. She just didn't get to do much of it because she died quite early. She died of, at 37 from leukemia. Um, and, you know, many people now say, you know, uh, that perhaps that could have been um, as a result of her being chronically anemic and having endometriosis and fibroids most of her young life. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But, you know, quite honestly, I was happy to find some other points of, you know, that were that we could hold in common between ourselves because I just really felt like for a long time my destiny would be her destiny. You know, I really didn't feel like I was going to make it either, um, being so chronically ill all the time. But the book helped me sort through all of that, and it gave me a lot of hope. Um, as I did alternate chapters between her life and mine, I kept finding more parallels and more dots to connect. Um, but more importantly, it really opened up this other thing, this other door that had been locked for a really long time, which was to write. Not just to write, you know, to download, you know, trauma or a problem or an issue, but just to write for the sake of writing because it was enjoyable and I was creating something. Did you um, notice when you really got into it that you felt different in that creative process of just allowing yourself to write and express and just get in the flow of absolutely, it? Absolutely. Um, you know, writing for me became more than a refuge. Um, it became like this parallel universe where I could reinvent myself. And when I would write about myself or write fictionally about something else, or I started writing a lot of poetry as well, very abstract stuff, um, you know, it was my way of removing myself from, the, from where I was. Like, it's almost like I would equate it to having like an out-of-body experience. Um, you know, when you're writing about something, maybe it's even about you, but you are literally outside of yourself and you're writing uh, about an experience that you may have touched upon, but you can also write about something that you have not. And that's really was very key for me, writing about things or feelings that I had not actually felt, but wanted to. And I felt like my illness had prevented me from you know, doing and feeling so many things. So by writing about them, I was somehow making them true. Manifesting themselves was the next step. Which is pretty powerful. I mean, your memoir, you won a 2006 Edward Riviera Autobiography Award, which is, which is awesome and impactful. And what I find interesting uh, is that... The sacral chakra, which is the energy center around our wombs and our kidneys and our ovaries, is tied to um, creativity and raw emotions. So a lot of times when we shut down on things, that those energy blocks show up in some way. So would you say that you understand what your fibroids kind of represented? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, like every good student, um, you know, I did a lot of research on my condition, both physical and non and, and emotional. Um, I read this book that kind of changed my life around the same time that I was writing my own. Um, I read this book called Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, and it's from, it's written by uh, Dr. Christiane Northrup. And this book changed my life because she was able to make the mind-body connection. And under the chapter for fibroids, for example, I discovered that fibroids in an emotional state, you know, in your body, they represented the dead ends of your life. 
And nothing could be truer than that because for me, I decided to look at these things that were constantly growing in my womb at the time as dead ends. And I decided, okay, I'm going to get rid of those dead ends physically. And to that point, you know, my my life started changing. I started um, little by little doing things differently that were reflecting these dead ends. Um, if there was a dead end with my job, I changed it. If I wanted to, if there was a dead end with friendships, um, you know, I sought other friendships or stopped being friends with people that, you know, were actually not um, conducive to my health. Um, you know, uh, I moved. I moved from, you know, to from one apartment to, to like a house and to, to a different state. Um, and that, and you to know, a different that, country uh, now. <laughs> yeah, that didn't stop. The whole moving thing did not stop. Um, you know, everywhere I could make a connection that was dead ends, um, you know, I, I tried to avoid it. And if I was stuck with a dead end, I would try to just, you know, like turn around and back out of it in any way that I could. So all of the all of that thinking that started with me reading that book and also with writing my memoir, um, it allowed me to come to where I am today, which is, you know, I left New York in 2010, finally. Um, I lived, you know, for a few years in Ireland. I've lived for a few years now in Paris. Um, I went back to school because I noticed that that was one of the things that did work for me. And for me, going to school and completing my graduate studies was a creative outlet for me, believe it or not. Um, you know, I work in tourism, but I went back to school and I focused more on the things that were passions for me, which was literature and history. Um, and then and so, we're going to have to take a break in, in a few seconds. But when we come back, I'd like you to share with listeners how you're using your voice, not only with your writing, but with hosting comedy shows and the spoken word community, you know, your, your efforts with the spoken word community in Paris. Because I do think that there, um, a lot of times I find women who do, including myself, have um, some sacral chakra issues. There's a link between the throat chakra, using our voice, speaking our truth. So when we come back, let's touch on that, Rose. We'll be back in two minutes. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Visit inspiredtohelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at inspiredtohelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit inspiredtohelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting inspiredtohealth.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. Lorraine Giordano offers a form of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohealth.net. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to the Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to the Womb Happy Hour. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Womb Happy Hour. You're listening to Rose Reyes share her... her <laughs> beautiful story 
about fibroids and how her healing process allowed her to connect to her creativity and the reinvention of her life. So Rose, now you're in Paris. Can you talk about how this dramatic move and going to school in Paris has reinvented your life even more? Yes. Well, um, I came to Paris because I had um, started my grad studies in Ireland and I decided to continue them here. And, um, you know, just studying and educating myself on subjects that were very important to me, like literature and history, was already a huge creative outlet for me. But I wanted more. And one night I went to Spoken Word Paris and I just listened. I listened to people take five minutes at a time because it was an open mic and you had five minutes to do whatever, to express yourself. And I watched all these people go up there on the stage and be like totally fearless and expressing whatever they wanted to. So the next time I went, I decided to sign up and I wrote and I read some of my poetry in those five minutes. And it was the most liberating thing I'd ever done. I mean, I think I had probably just like, it was such a huge relief to get off the stage, but it was while I was (laughs) there, I had like this rush of adrenaline, like, oh my God, I wrote these words on the paper and now I'm saying them out loud and people are appreciating it and they're clapping and they're telling me afterwards it was such a great story or it was such a great poem. It was so nice to hear from me, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, wow. This this is really um, earth-shattering for me because I think that's when I realized I was no longer the person I was in New York. That person in New York was hardworking, was a great family member, had was a great friend to many people, um, but she was also stressed out and very ill most of the time. And here I was in Paris, like seven, eight years later outside of that experience, and you know, having a newfound audience for things that were really coming from my heart. Um, making friends, and they didn't, you know, they didn't know my background. They didn't need to know, and I didn't need to inform them of it. Um, I was just Rose, who was, you know, reciting and telling poetry and telling stories. And eventually, you know, I think I started to take a hard look at everything that I'd been through. And, you know, everywhere that I wrote, like stories or, you know, whenever I would get on stage, even though it was followed by a very, you know, serious poem, I'd always like laugh with the crowd and start telling jokes about what this poem was about or what that story was about. I started telling childhood stories about my dad because he was hysterical. Um, he was hysterically funny. And one night, like some, one of, one of the, um, spoken word folks came up to me and he was like, you know, I heard you like tell the story about your dad. And, if, you know, if you work on your timing a little bit, you could actually make it into stand-up comedy. And I was like, what? Nice like, yeah, compliment. It was a great compliment coming from him because he's, he's hysterically funny. And I was just like, really? You thought that? He's like, yeah, just work on your timing and that would be stand-up. Totally. I have an open mic for just comedians. Maybe you want to come down and try it out sometime. Um, So, yeah, I did do that, and uh, that was two years ago. And uh, while I I don't recite my poetry as much in public anymore, because all of them are sad poems, and they still do remind me of all the writing that I did in New York, um, my storytelling has taken off, and so has the stand-up comedy. Um, And I I really do feel when I'm up there on stage and I'm making people laugh, even at my own hardships, at my own uh, expense, that I've come full circle. This is like who I was supposed to be, my most authentic self. Louis agrees. <laughs> yeah. <He> just barked. <laughs> and there's a certain kind of power in that, and that there's a certain kind of feeling, let's say vibration, right? When you have that sense of like, I can't change anything from the past, but it all helped me to get to this moment. Exactly. I think I was supposed to go through everything that I went through in order to come out the other side. And um, there's nothing better than hearing, like, the roar of an audience when you tell them something that is mostly true. Most of my comedy is all the truth. It's the only way I can remember my bits is, like, to actually talk about the truth of my life and the observations that I make about this thing called life. 
Um, I never really joke about my illness during my stand-up comedy, but I do um, joke about my frailty, uh, my observational powers, and what I find in life to be funny and ridiculous and absurd. And I think most people laugh because they can relate. They can certainly relate. And, um, you know, I think for the first year, I spent a lot of time, you know, having jokes about dating. So many women could totally relate to that, to, you know, all of those first dates gone wrong. <laughs> totally. Can, so we're going to have to break in a couple love. of minutes, Rose. Sorry, Rose. Yeah. We're going to have to break in a couple of minutes. So for those who are listening, for the ladies and for the gents out there who are, who are listening, if there's one tip, let's say a womb tip or a creativity tip where someone might not feel like they can go up on stage, what's one thing that you would share based on your experience that, that you feel could help? Um, I would say if the thought of doing something um, makes you afraid, then by all means, do it. All right. So thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. So we're going to have to wrap up. The time goes so fast, and I wish we could – I always say this, but I wish we could talk longer. But to connect with Rose, you can connect with her at Rose Laughs on Facebook. And I, I think you've shared um, the inspiration between your your uh, <laughs> your handle there, Rose at Rose Laughs. And then if you'd like to hear her writing or read, or read her writing, <laughs> it's rosemarireyes.wordpress.com. And so I'd like to thank everyone for listening. And thank you, Rose. Big hug and a kiss from New Jersey to Paris. And right back thank at you. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, listeners. And we'll be back next week. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Inspired to Health on Twitter, Inspired to Health on Facebook. And I'm sending everyone a big womb hug. Send a little love and light down there. And We'll be back next week. You're listening to the Bloom Happy Hour. And this is Lorraine Giordano. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for the Womb Happy Hour. Be sure to tune in again for another edition featuring your host, Lorraine Giordano, next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an excellent week.